0: Church, it is wonderful to be back meeting together today and welcome to everybody who is at home joining us here as well. Well, we couldn't wait to get back to church and into this pool and Melita and Robin could not wait to be sharing in with you today what God has done in their life and we celebrate with them today, Church. So join with me as we hear Melita's story.
1: Thank you, Jody. How are we church this morning in the presence of God? <laughs> Bless you. Um, yes, yeah, so my name's Melita, uh, family's from Torres Strait. Um, please may welcome my mum and my two friends, <laughs> Tony and Larissa. Thank you. So this is my testimony. Lord, grace saved me and He picked me up from my darkest valley. With His grace, He has unfolded Himself to me through His words. He is the potter, we are the clay. He is moulding us in ways we don't understand. My faith grew in difficult trials. Each battle, Lord spoke to me directly and placed the right songs to heal me. This test was shaping me for my calling. Some trials are very hard and we ask ourselves, why is this happening to me? But Lord always reminded me that I was healed by His stripes. He placed these songs to heal me, alabaster jar from the inside out, and I can only imagine. I felt His reign of love come over me. He directed all my steps and guided me to the right people. That was positive, and to rebuild my trust again, he slowly restored me with, the, with his love and showed me life in different lens that I never seen or appreciate before. His blessing came to me in ways I never seen, as I came obedient to his words. He taught me to grow from an infant to a mature Christian. The time came again; I was discouraged, but this time it was a test of pain and hurt I never felt. He was teaching me to dwell in his house, to pray and worship even when things were hard and to still give thanks. I realised that my strength grew to another level when I was facing a difficult situation and because of his faithfulness, I had peace and joy in my heart. Bridgie wasn't an accident. He led me to this place. He spoke to me as I was driving by and placed me at the right place at the right time to confirm it. My first service here at Bridgie, Lord spoke to me through the songs that, that was playing. And I said, thank you, Lord. These were the songs you placed in my heart. Lord made me understand the two covenant. He made me understand the second covenant of his crucifixion in a way i never seen before. Ephesians 2, verse eight to nine. For, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. It is not from works so that no one can boast. As my faith grown and my trials grown deeper and found myself in a rough situation, I was so confused but I knew Lord was holding me, reminding me constantly I am a new creation in God and to handle things differently. He was there with me and made a way and delivered me from where I was. It was uncontrollable and I had to trust God in uncertainty. I had to have faith in the goodness of God in the season that I was in, and to focus on His words. He was teaching me not to react to my feelings. Lord, seen, me, seen my tears running in despair as a prayer. He was there with me and comforted me. He shown me a scripture, from Book of John, chapter three, verse eight. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but don't know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Lord showed me in many ways I could not comprehend. I thought I was getting close, but there is still a long way to go in, in his walk. He placed Genesis 50:20. You intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good. Lord placed Joseph's story in my heart to make me understand what i was going through he will not leave us or forsake us and he was there in my pain only by his grace i was rescued and delivered the pain didn't tear me apart and he placed the scripture 2 corinthians chapter 4 verse 8 to 9 we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed He placed the song in my heart. It is so and see a victory. He taught me in this season, the battle was too big for me and to let go but to worship Him instead. Thank you.
0: We're gonna pray for Melita now. Jesus, we thank You that in Melita's story, you are faithful. God, you've been holding her close on her journey. And I see, God, your Spirit in her. I see this love of your Word that you've placed in her heart. I see, Lord, the ways that you've carried her through the toughest of times in her life, and you've never left her. Lord, Your presence is with her today. She's loved You for a long time, but she feels the call today to testify in this public way to who You are, washed clean, set free, made new in You, Jesus. And we celebrate Your work in her. We rejoice with her and we praise You, great God, for all that You are yet to do in and through her life. We praise You in Jesus' Name, Amen. Melita, do you confess Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour? I do, (laughs) Amen. It is on this profession of your faith and because you've requested it, that is our absolute privilege to baptise you in the Name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want to invite Robin. Thank you so much, Melita and Di. Stay in the pool with us. We're gonna hear Robin's testimony now. Another amazing story of God's work. Thank you. Robin. Hi, I'm Robin and, uh, and this is my
2: testimony. During my childhood, my parents sent me to Sunday school and for a time I enjoyed going until I didn't go anymore. Hence my background, I can say without any doubt, was not religious as I didn't believe in God. My journey began when I was asked on a few occasions to to attend Sunday services at Bridgie. Having remembered some parts of Sunday school, I declined each time as I I wasn't really interested as I was going through some of life's difficulties. These difficulties and work took precedence in my life. Shortly after that I became aware that Bridgie was holding an Alpha course and although I had a very limited understanding of what this was all about, I became interested. During the Alpha course I was camping with family when I had a most unusual but pleasant experience I just couldn't explain without any precision. While I was waiting for family to arrive in Camp Kitchen for dinner, a lady and her granddaughter who I had never met before was sitting opposite me. The lady began talking to me about Christianity. It became noisy so we went outside. She prayed for me, at that time I experienced the most peaceful feeling I had ever had. Now when I look back, I know it was the touch of the Holy Spirit. I completed Alpha and met some wonderful people. In particular, our group facilitator Joan and Pastor Jody, who helped me on my on the beginning of my journey. They answered questions I had and suggested what books I might like to read as I like to read. From then onwards, I found an intense interest in trying to find a connection between God, science, and history, and I could not get my head out of out of scripture and books. I was looking for the big-ticket answers on creation and how it all worked and fitted together. I remember one morning reading a science book on my balcony on elementary particles, and... and and the relationship of these particles to other particles for them to function in balance with, with each other. It was then I asked myself the question, am I trying to prove or disprove that God and science can or cannot coexist? And what about the theories and significant findings in science over time? I realised that while science could certainly answer and substantiate many questions, it could not answer and substantiate others. What was required was something much more intelligent for the universe to keep functioning in balance in the way that it has for many years and continues to do so. And I gradually came to understand that that, that something is our Creator God. The more I read scripture, both the OT and the NT, as well as science books, the more passionate I became towards God. I started to develop a relationship with God through my reading. Looking back now, it was a slow beginning, but it was a beginning. My attendance in church was still poor as I was still going through some of life's difficulties past and present. However, that all turned on its head when I went to the Omega course at Bridgie. For me, the course was perfectly aligned with where I was at on my journey with Christ. The timing could not have been any better. During the course, four of us connected very well. Andrea, our facilitator, is just an enormous wealth of knowledge on Christianity and she continues to work with us in strengthening our relationship with God. An example of that was when we all burnt our past in a pot together and this was such a great way to bring life, to bring to life what Christ has done for us. Without a doubt, I would not be here this morning if I did not have such wonderful support on my faith journey. And it is such a privilege and a blessing for me to move on in my new new life in Christ through the grace of God. Today, I publicly acknowledge Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. I acknowledge that He died on the cross so that my sins are forgiven. This is my testimony.
0: Lord Jesus, we thank You again for the beautiful way, God. Through these two stories, we've heard just how You touch people so individually, so personally. And we thank You for this incredible journey that You've had, Robin, on drawing her to Yourself. From the moment she was born, You knew her and You knew about this moment. So we thank You, God. We thank You for Your work in her life. We thank You for opening her mind and opening her heart to see You. We pray, Lord, that You'd fill her with Your Holy Spirit, more of those encounters, God, with Your peace. Lord, we pray that You would use her to speak the truth that she has found in You to the lives of others. We thank You and praise You and speak Your blessing over Robin this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Robin, do you declare Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour? I do. It is on this profession of your faith and because you've requested it, it is our privilege to baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We'll be right back.
3: The cat sat on the to us, you love to long to speak to us, Lord. Your presence here with us by your Holy Spirit. And so, now in these moments, great God, we open our hearts to you wherever we are on the journey of faith, Lord. We just open our hearts to you now, Lord, and that just ask that by your Spirit you move among us. We pray, encourage us, strengthen us. We ask. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Please be seated. I want to add my welcome to everyone joining us online this morning via the live stream, wherever you're linking in from. Everyone here as well in the building. Put your hands together, We're giving thanks to God on the mezzanine level as well. But wherever you're linking in from, and I really mean this, we are so glad you're joining with us, so glad that you have the opportunity to be together, to be God's people worshipping our great God. And I too just want to say thanks to everyone who's played a part in making it possible for us to begin to meet online. We have a family service happening right now as well over in the auditorium. And uh, so thank you to all involved. Well, recently I came across the story of a grandmother Cha Sa Soon, who lived in a remote village in South Korea. Um, this is a true story. She always wanted to learn to drive, but didn't get a chance to go for her license until she was in her 60s. Um, she failed the written part of her driving test not once, uh, not twice, not 10 times, but 949 times. True story. Um, Having lived in this remote village, she didn't know all the terminology. It was all new to her, but she refused to quit. She just kept trying. And finally, on her 950th time, she got a passing grade. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Now, you might be wondering, how did she actually go on the practical part of her test? The practical driving test, well... The good news is she only failed the road test four times before getting the passing marks. But by this time, she was a national hero. All of Korea knew about her, so much so that the Kia car company actually gave her a car and featured her on a number of their commercials. That's how much of a hero she became, all because she wouldn't give up. And the thing that I want to speak to this morning is this very theme, don't give up. And the reason I want to speak to this is because when you look at the Bible, when you look at what it says about living by faith, we see this message come through again and again uh, through the examples of the lives we see recorded in the Bible, that to live by faith, a big part of what that means is to not give up, to keep holding on. the promises of God. This week I'm speaking on this theme of persevering faith. Next week I'm going to be speaking again on living by faith in a different era. So you have to come back, tune in again for next week. Recently I heard the example of doing the Christian journey as being uh, the difference between uh, like jumping on a cruise ship versus jumping onto a battleship. And uh, I heard this message on, this, this illustration on a podcast and Sometimes the concept we have is that when we come to faith in Jesus, it means it's sort of like jumping on a cruise ship. We can sort of kick back and relax. God's going to look after everything for us. Everything's going to be smooth sailing and easy. It's just like one big holiday. Sometimes that's the idea that we can have of what it means to come to faith in Christ. But when you look at the Bible, the picture we are given is very different to that. The picture we are given is more like jumping onto a battleship, Uh, because the reality is is that we are in a spiritual battle. And as Matt mentioned, we're going to be doing this series in a few weeks' time, The Invisible War. really encourage you to jump in and be a part of that. It's going to be a great series. But having this picture, this um, concept fresh in my mind, I then watched the newly released movie Greyhound featuring Tom Hanks. Now, I'll try not to give anything away, uh, but it's a great movie. Um, I thought it was anyway. But the setting for the film is in, um, in the midst of World War II. And during the Second World War, the German Navy deployed... Um, large numbers of U-boats to try and disrupt the, the supply of goods between North America and Britain across the Atlantic. And the, the Allied convoys, they would travel in large groups of ships with troop carriers and tankers and freighters. they travelled together to try and travel in safety. But these U-boats would do all they could to try and disrupt that and cause a blockage of, of the supply ships getting through. Now, in um, the movie, it follows This commander... Uh, Tom, uh, played by Tom Hanks his name, his name is Ernest Krauss, and he is with the United States Navy and he's given command of this Fletcher class destroyer the USS Keeling and his code name is Greyhound and he also has with him in his command two um, Royal Navy um, destroyers as well, as well as a Canadian ship and their job is to protect a fleet of 37 allied ships carrying troops and supplies and everything across the Atlantic um, to towards Liverpool. And now, what happens in the midst of this is there is air coverage that the convoy can have for a section of the trip, but then they head into what they call the, the mid Atlantic part where there is no longer, it's too far away for air coverage from the Allied forces. And in this section of the trip, they're in great danger from these U boats. And uh, they call this part of the trip, this 36 hours of travel through this section of the Atlantic, the Black Pit. And when they head into this zone, they know that it's going to be um, all on, that the U-boats are going to be on them. And the U-boats, they actually attack in groups called wolf packs and try to um, take out these um, convoys. And throughout the movie, we see this, this, um, this these, um, taking place, these altercations taking place, the uh, um, unfolding of the battle between particularly Tom Hanks in command, first time he's commanded, first time he's travelled this, this Atlantic journey a- along with these U-boats and all that takes place there. And you see up close and personal what it is like to be on a battleship right in the midst of the battle. And there was a few things that I uh, realized pretty quickly with this picture in my mind as I was watching the movie. The first thing is this, um, when you're on a battleship, you pack very differently to being on a cruise ship. I realized that after watching the movie. Uh, when you're on a battleship, your mindset is very different to a cruise ship. Your expectations are very different. What is important to you is very different. Right? Your sense of purpose and mission is very different when you're on a cruise ship as opposed to a battleship. And on a number of occasions as the story is unfolding and you see the overwhelming odds in the midst of this 36-hour part of the journey, you just think, man, these, you can just tell, they're just thinking, we're just going to give up. We have to give up. This is too hard. And often that is the situation you can find yourself in when you're in the midst of a battle. Interestingly, in the movie, the commander is portrayed as a devoted Christian who prays regularly, who reads his Bible regularly, says grace every time a meal comes to him, and he has this verse of scripture that he keeps on the small mirror in his quarters, in his cabin. And it's Hebrews thirteen eight, and he. And brings a lot of encouragement from this verse. It keeps showing up again and again in the movie. And it's these words, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And as the odds mount against, he keeps referring back to this passage. Very inspiring, good movie. But this in many ways is a helpful picture for us of what living by faith looks like as, as the Bible describes it. Persevering and not giving up. And I want to look at three do not give up passages in the Bible today. The first one is this. It's found in Hebrews 10, verse 23. And it says these words. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Talking about our Heavenly Father, our great God, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, and here it is, and not giving up, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And we know the book of Hebrews is directed to a group of believers who are doing it tough, They were ready to throw in the towel, give up on their faith in Jesus. Some, in fact, had already started to give up on their faith in Jesus. These were of people who were weary, who were losing heart. And again and again, the writer to the Hebrews just speaks courage into their lives. He says, Hold on to the promises of God, persevere in faith, and whatever you do, don't give up. And he says specifically here, don't give up meeting together, but keep encouraging one another, literally meaning to speak courage into the lives of others, and you need to stand with one another in faith. And so often we have a, we have a saying that we say here around Bridgman, it's this, that you were not created to do the journey of life alone. We were created to do life in community with others. And uh, it's why this is so important. We are to encourage each other. When we come to place our faith and trust in Jesus, not only are we forgiven, not only are we set free, not only do we have new life in Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, but we are also placed into his family, into God's family. Why? It's so we can encourage one another. It's so we can stand with one another. And we need this if we are to live by faith and not give up. And the writer to the Hebrews says here, this need does not decrease in importance the longer we do the Christian journey. It doesn't decrease in, in, uh, in importance the longer we do the journey of faith or the more mature we become. But actually, he says here, it becomes more and more important the closer we get to Jesus coming again. And everything in history and in our current world events points to this day being more imminent than ever before. So according to the Bible, this truth is more important than ever before. Not less important, but growing in importance. And in the movie, in the Greyhound movie, one of the first strategies of the U-boat wolf packs is to try and pull boats away from the convoy because they know if they can isolate them, it's a lot easier for them to attack and destroy these boats. And it's the same for us in our spiritual journey. Satan loves nothing more than to try and isolate us away from others, convince us we don't need that because he knows it's so much easier for us to discourage us and, and push us towards giving up. And so we need to be aware of this. One of my favourite stories relating to this is from the theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, again set during World War II, but Bonhoeffer was disillusioned with the German church because they were supporting the Nazi regime. And so he started a small countercultural community as part of the confessing church. And they had this community in a place called Finkenwald. And part of their, their role was to become salt and light. This is the, the mission of the confessing church. And his friends were a little bit skeptical. They thought that Bonhoeffer was a little bit too radical. And so they came to visit him at Finkenwald with this mindset. And so he took them, after showing them what was taking place, the community there, the community of believers, he then took them up a hill nearby. And as they got to the top of the hill, he pointed out in the distance a Nazi training camp. And he said to his friends, he said, this, what we are doing here, this community of believers, has to be stronger than that he said, has to be stronger than that. And still to this day, the major challenge for the church is this truth that we need community, we need to encourage, we need to stand with one another. And all that we are and do as a community to help people to grow and flourish must be stronger. That all in our, that is in our world that is trying to destroy lives, tear apart people's um, well-being and the relationships and all, that, all the hurt and pain and lossness in our world, well, we have to be stronger than that. We do, in community, blessing our community in which he's placed us in our city. We need one another if we are to live by faith and not give up. And interestingly, it was you could hear this so clearly through the stories. So how amazing were the stories. And we just praise God for stories of the difference Jesus makes in people's lives. But Melita said these words. She said, I started to attend services and um, he slowly restored me with his love. And I started to see life differently in a way that I never had never seen or appreciated before. She said, Bridgie wasn't an accident. He led me to this place. He spoke to me as I was driving by and placed me in the right place at the right time to confirm it. My first service here at Bridgie, the Lord spoke to me through the songs that were playing, and I said, thank you, Lord. These were the songs you had placed in my heart before I even came here. Isn't that encouraging? That reveals God's heart for us to be in community with others. Robin said, my attendance at church was still poor as I was still going through some of life's difficulties, past and present. However, that all turned on its head when I went to the Amiga course at Bridgie. During the course, four of us connected very well. And she said, without a doubt, I would not be here this morning if I did not have such wonderful support on my faith journey. Do you hear how important this is? This is God's word to us. Do not give up. But encourage one another, get others around you, make it a priority to connect in online to services or come and gather in person or link into a connect group, join a prayer group, join one of the courses, the Alpha course, the Omega course. But this is so important that we meet with one another, encourage one another, stand with one another if we're to live by faith and not give up. Here's the second do not give up passage, Luke 18.1. Says these words, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And the parable Jesus would go on to tell them was the parable of the persistent widow. And the point Jesus was making to his followers was that there is power in prevailing, persistent, persevering prayer. There is power when we pray and we don't give up. Some see repeatedly asking God for the same thing as a lack of faith, as though we don't really believe that God has heard our prayers. But Jesus is clearly saying here that prevailing prayer is actually an expression of our faith and that it moves things in the spiritual realm. We see this in Ephesians 6, looking at the spiritual battle. Paul concludes in verse 18 with these words. He says, And pray. In the Spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. There is again. And earlier this year, I was reading John White's book, The Fight, and he says this about prevailing prayer. He says, Hell's legions are terrified of prayer. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Hell was so fearful of Daniel's resolve to pray that we read of an all-out attack in the heavenlies on his prayer. An angelic visitor told the trembling prophet these words, Daniel 10, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Here we see human prayers and battles in celestial places. Such is the power of persevering prayer. Praise God that Daniel prayed and didn't give up. I think one of the greatest modern examples of the power of prevailing prayer and the influence and impact it can have is the story of Count von Zinzendorf and the Moravians. Zinzendorf was born into Austrian nobility. He was very wealthy and being a count, he was expected to follow his late father's footsteps into government and he did this as he was told... 1721, he became the king's judicial counselor at Dresden as a, as a young man of 22 years of age. However, at this same time, he came to faith in Christ. It had a massive impact on his life, and he ended up opening his estate to Protestant refugees coming out of Bohemia and Moravia. And this community was formed on his estate, and they called it Hernhut, meaning under the Lord's protection. And over a number of years, this Christian community, this community of believers grew in number to around 200 or 300 people. But for a season, they began to experience some divisions among them as a community. And so they decided to devote themselves to prayer and to seeking God. And on the 5th of August, 1727, 14 of the brethren of this community, they prayed and sought God all night. It was a powerful time. And then just a few days later, on the 10th of August, they had an afternoon gathering where the message was spoken, preached, and the message was on the Holy Spirit. And the community was so impacted by this message about the Spirit of God that they continued praying and worshipping all night through until midnight. Something was stirring in their midst. And then three days later... They were at a midweek Wednesday night communion service and in that meeting the Spirit of God fell upon them as a small community of believers and they experienced a spiritual renewal. And You can read all about it, incredibly powerful and out of this flowed, Uh, that they started to pray 24 hours a day on hourly watches and that prayer meeting went on for 100 years. How is that for a prayer meeting? 24 hours a day for 100 years. And although they were very small in number, the impact, the influence of their prayers actually ended up reverberating around the world and would have a direct impact on an influence in the the occurrence then of the Great Awakening, this revival that was spread across England and, and across North America where hundreds of thousands of people would come to faith in Jesus, this revival, this move of the Spirit of God that would break out. And it all links directly back to this small group of believers praying. And one of the ways the influence took place is two leaders of that Great Awakening movement was John and Charles Wesley, and they were at the similar time on a boat traveling from um, England across to Georgia in North America. They wanted to do some ministry there. And while they are on the boat, this storm came up, and it's well, well documented, this account. But some of the, the English people on board just started to cry out in fear in the midst of this storm. But John Wesley noticed on the boat this group of Moravians and they weren't crying out in fear. They had this peace and they were just gathered together very calmly singing hymns in the midst of this huge storm and he looked at these group of Moravians and he looked at the English people and he realised, I don't have what they have. I don't have the peace of God. I don't have the assurance of salvation that these Moravians had. And so after he'd been to Georgia, he returned back to England. That, that account like impacted him deeply. He came back to London and he realised he didn't have that. He didn't have that personal experience of peace, that personal relationship that these Moravians seemed to have. And he got back and he was trying to do ministry over there and it wasn't fruitful at all. And so he went To the famous Aldersgate meeting, Aldersgate Street meeting in London, which was led by the Moravians, and it was there that he encountered for himself what it means to have that personal relationship with God through Jesus, and it transformed his life. He experienced that assurance, he experienced that peace. He documented the words well known that his heart was strangely warmed as he had this personal encounter with the living God. And then John and Charles Wesley would go on to lead the great. Awakening, hundreds of thousands of people come into faith, move the Spirit of God, all linked back to this small community of people who kept praying and didn't give up. I want you to see the power of prayer, the power of persevering, prevailing, persistent prayer. And you know, for us as a church, from right at the very beginning of this church, 28 years ago, there is a prayer that we have kept praying again and again. Right from the outset, it's a prayer that God would move in a similar way, do a renewing, reviving work in our community, in our city. And over many years, this prayer has been prayed and prayed faithfully and persevering in prayer for this. And we have seen God do some incredible things in this time. But the word to us today as his people is to keep praying and not give up. There is yet more God wants to do. There's still so much need in our community, in our city. So much more God wants to do to bring his blessing to the lives of others. And so we need to keep praying and not give up. And here's the third passage. The third do not give up passage today. It's Galatians 6, 9. It says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There it is again. And Paul interestingly says the exact same thing in 1 Thessalonians 3.13. He says, and as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. And why does Paul keep mentioning this? Well, one commentator on this verse in Galatians 6 writes this. He says, it's because active Christian service is tiring. It's exacting work. We are tempted to become discouraged, to slack off, even to give up, is what this writer says, and it's true. Paul knows that all of us have this tendency to want to focus on ourselves rather than on others. It's this selfish, sinful nature within us, and it keeps coming out. It's this incredibly strong pull that each and every one of us have to do the things that we wanna do rather than to do the things that God is calling us to do. This pull we all have to live in comfort on the cruise liner, so to speak, rather than to step in in faith and count the costs which he calls us to as we follow him and seek to fulfill his kingdom plans and purposes. There's this incredibly strong pull within each of us just to hang out with the people we feel comfortable with rather than to invest in the lives of the ones that God is calling us to care for, to love, to invest in. There's this incredibly strong pull for us to spend our money and resources on the things that we want to spend it on rather than to invest in the things that God is calling us to invest in and there is this incredibly strong pull for each of us to spend our time for our own pleasure, for our own desires rather than to bless others and engage in faith in God's eternal kingdom plans. And so the Apostle Paul, knowing this so well, gives us this incentive. He tells us that doing good, persevering in doing good, it's like sowing seed. He says, "If you persevere in sowing, then in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not give up is the condition there. Last Sunday night, Pastor David shared a powerful story of the reality of this spiritual principal. You might have heard him share it through that message online, but it's an amazing story and I don't want you to miss it. And it highlights this point so clearly. Recently, Pastor David received a text message, a random text message from a, from a person um, that he hadn't seen from, for a long, long time. And to give you the context for this message, 10 years ago now, Pastor David and some of the young adults from the church here were down at Chermside and they were catching a movie and had a meal together. And as they were coming out of Chermside, they were heading back to their cars and there in the gutter... Next to their cars was a young guy who uh, was sitting there with his friend and he was very drunk. He'd been hanging out at the pub down there at Chermside. He was now really drunk. And as they went back to their cars, they got talking together. They got talking to this young guy and eventually the friends said, hey, do you think you could give this guy a lift home? He just lives around the corner. And David and his mate Dan said, yep, for sure, we can, we can give him a, a lift home. And as they were driving home in the car, they got talking about church and got talking about God and the Bible and who is Jesus and had this great conversation and as this guy was about to get out of the car they said to him hey you really should come to church sometime you really should come to our church we'd love to have you with us and they scratched around the car and they found this Bible in the car and so they wrote in the front of it and David, Pastor David just put his phone number in there and then gave it to this guy and said look take this Bible we'd love you to come to church sometime here's my number reach out to me. And this young guy got out of the car and as he stumbled up to his house, he was tripping over and walking up there and David and Dan, as they were, um, finally got to his house and they drove off. They're thinking, man, I wonder if he even understood anything that we just shared with him there. Like, did he understand any of that? I wonder if he'll ever reach out or if anything will come of that. And they left driving away wondering and, um, what would happen and sure enough, they heard nothing, nothing came of that. It's easy in those situations, isn't it, to become a little bit discouraged and to think, well, what was the point of that? What was I doing that for? Well, just two weeks ago, remember that happened 10 years ago, two weeks ago, David gets this random text. Let me read the text to you. This is what it says. It says, hello, do you guys remember when you gave me a Bible and a football? They don't remember giving him a football. They remember the Bible. Do you guys remember when you gave me a Bible and a football when I asked you guys for a ride back home from a club at Chermside because I was too drunk? I still have your writing on my page of my Bible that you guys blessed me with all those years ago. I wanted to send you a picture of what one of you have written on a page for my life as it has inspired me so much that I cannot begin to explain. I have been a sinner for a very, 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 and I can't say how many times I will write very a sinner but I will say that you were there just for me on that very night. I have given my life to Jesus, my Lord and my Saviour. Please tell me if this is one of you. I do have a pic which I'm trying to send, but my iPhone is not sending. I took a pic of the page of my Bible, which one of you guys wrote for me. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 to 19. It's been almost eight or nine years. David says more like 10 years, but you guys from what I can try to remember, attended Bridgman Baptist Church or something like that. I still have your Bible and it's the most precious thing to me that I will ever have. It's a gift from you, from God. And I can't even believe that this is the number on my Bible that I have cherished for so long and will always be by my side, even after so many years. I just want to say that if it was not for you guys, I would probably not be alive today. How powerful is that? I don't even remember what you look like, but you drove a Toyota Hilux with big wheels. (laughs) I will try and send you a picture of what you have written for me in my Bible, which I will never, ever let go of. God bless you and your friends. How amazing is that to Isn't that incredible? What a powerful story. But I want you to see from that story how a seemingly little seed sown in faith with seemingly no results so easy to become, discouraged to give up. I want you to see what an amazing example this is of this exact spiritual truth we are talking about this morning. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest. We long for a harvest. God's blessing be poured out if we do not give up. And that is the message today. Don't give up. Don't give up trusting Jesus and standing on his promises. Don't give up meeting with others to encourage one another and stand with one another. Don't give up. Praying in faith, the power of prevailing, persevering prayer. Don't give up doing good to others and sharing the good news of the hope and life found in Jesus, even when it's costly, even when you can't see results, even when you get discouraged or there's criticism, don't give up. Keep sowing faithfully because this is what it means to live by faith. Maybe you're tuning in, linking in online or here this morning in the service and maybe you've been feeling like just giving up on life altogether. But I want you to hear this morning your Heavenly Father says to you today. He says to you, don't give up. There is hope in Jesus. Don't give up. Look to me. I created you. I made you. I love you. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. I want to be in relationship with you and maybe... This morning, the message for you is to come to Jesus for the first time. You feel like giving up on life? I want you to hear this message. Don't give up this morning. Come to your heavenly Father. Come to Jesus and experience the hope and life found in Him. And so church, this is God's Word to us today. As we keep pressing forward in faith, we're going to have an important church meeting after this service talking about some faith-stretching visions God is calling us to, but the message for us is not to give up, to keep pressing on in faith. But maybe as well today, this is a message for some individually today. Maybe it's a situation or circumstance that you've been praying over and you're thinking, oh man, I've just been praying for so long, it's time to give up. Well, hear God's word, don't give up. Keep praying, keep persevering. Maybe it's a circumstance you're in where you just feel like you're pouring out and nothing's coming back but you know God's called you to be there well I want you to hear the message this morning don't give up keep persevering keep serving keep pouring your life out because the harvest is coming it's so worth it whatever your situation or circumstances I pray that by the Holy Spirit he's taken not my words but his word to speak into your heart your life your very situation this morning. that's my prayer that you be encouraged that you be strengthened this morning And so this is our call, to live by faith and not give up. So we're going to join together in prayer as we do that now. Let's join our hearts together as we pray right now. If you're watching online too, just want to encourage you just to tune in for this time of prayer as we respond. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. It's so powerful, Lord. We thank you for your Spirit that takes your Word and applies it to our heart, Lord. And firstly, today, Lord, I want to pray for some tuning in uh, feel there may be some who are here in the service or tuning in online, and maybe they're just feeling like giving up on life. It's just too hard. Well, if that's you this morning, as we're just in the attitude of prayer, I wanna give you an opportunity just to respond to Jesus. I wanna give you an opportunity to place your faith and trust in Him and know the hope and life that is found in here, the stories we've heard today through the baptisms, powerful stories. You can know that in your own life as well so if you're here this morning in the service or tuning in online, I just wanna encourage you to pray a prayer like this in your own heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, today I come to you and I surrender my life to you. I wanna ask for your forgiveness for living life my own way. And today I wanna to come and place my faith and trust in you. I ask you to come and to forgive me. I ask you to come and to fill me with your Holy Spirit, to give me the life that is found in you alone. And Lord, I pray that you will come now, Lord, that you will lead me, Lord, turning away from my old life, turning to you, following you, Lord Jesus. Come now into my life, I pray in Jesus' name. And if you've just prayed that prayer right now, whether you're here in the service, or watching online, I wanna encourage you just to click on that, respond to Jesus' Link, if you're watching online, if you're hearing the service, to come and talk to us afterwards. We wanna give you a Bible gift pack to bless you. And Lord, I wanna pray for us too as a church. This morning we've heard your word to us not to give up. Keep pressing on. Mighty things to come. Oh Lord, we long for a mighty move of your spirit among us, an even greater move of your spirit, Lord, among us, in this community, in this city. And Lord, I want to pray for some particularly. This is a word for them in their situation, their circumstance, Lord. I don't know, but you know, Lord. Well, I pray you'll strengthen them, encourage them, Lord, this morning to keep pressing on in faith, persevering in faith, not to give up. You are at work. And so we pray this now in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen, amen. Well, we're gonna sing a song that expresses these truths today. So why don't we stand together? The band are gonna lead us in this song. Let's sing well, let's worship and give thanks to our great God, expressing our trust
4: in Him. God bless. Prayer from Thessalonians as we finish this morning. May the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the one who calls you is faithful and He will do this. Amazing. Praise God. Been so wonderful to join together, whether you've been online or here in the building. And uh, God, go with you this week. Let's continue to look to Him living together in community and we'll see you again very shortly. Well, it's been great to join together today. If you've sensed God speaking to you across this service and you'd like to know a little bit more about what that might mean for you, we'd love to connect with you and you can email hello at bridgeman.org.au and someone will get in touch with you. Or again, if you have a need in your life, we as a church would love to stand with you in that by prayer. You can email a request for prayer through to prayer at bridgman.org.au. It's been great to connect with you here today and we look forward to doing that again shortly.